0: I want you to see the scene of heaven right now. There is one sitting quietly. It is the Lord. All of heaven, all of heaven is releasing a sound of worship to him. Only he is silent. I just feel the love of God reaching out to us right now. I feel like God is waiting for us to finally get it. He says, listen, if you only understood how much I love you, if you only understood my deep approval of you, come, come, come. I don't put shame on you. I don't reject you. I invite you to draw near. When Jesus confronted the insecurity, the fear in Peter, he asked him a question. He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter was trying to skirt the issue he had come face to face with his lack with his, all the things he thought about himself that were not true he discovered were true and there was a shame lingering over him and he was hoping Jesus would just kind of ignore it but this tyranny of fear and shame kept him at a distance and Jesus went right into it. I'm telling you, I there are there are people here you've been Christians for 20 years and you've settled into a, a mode of church life and you're 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 faithful. You do what you're asked to do, but you still stay at a distance. He's saying come near. Come near come near father we we contend for the breakthrough of your sons and daughters that they would hear the fullness of the blessing that comes from your lips when you say to them you are my son and you are my daughter in whom i am well pleased see the tragedy is this is after we've been saved a little while and we learn the right behaviors, what it means to be in the church, and maybe we find some avenue of service and significance and the voices around us commend us for what we're doing. And uh, what happens is you begin to think that your approval hinges on the things you're doing well. And God is say, no, it's not it's not your service it's not the fact that you're feeding the poor it's not the fact that you shared on the streets it's not the fact that you lifted your hands it's not the fact that you're coming and doing these expressions which you ought to do that's not where my approval comes from it comes from my heart for you I love you I treasure you I, there's something in my heart That is yet to be had by a people. And it's not released by higher sacrificial service. Faith in my love. Draw near to me, my children. Draw near to me. Draw near to me. could only comprehend the love that is held stored up for you come 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 closer come closer there's so many ways to measure our journey All of them on some level are valid. But the most important metric of this thing that we have is the knowledge of him. The ultimate treasure that we're trying to lean into is the immense love, incomprehensible love that he has for us. And when I say incomprehensible, I'm telling you, it's beyond imagination. It's beyond, no matter what imagery you can conjure up to represent that thing until, until that next level of his love cascades down on you. It's like Bathsheba. She said, "I, the half was never told to me about the glory of Israel. Well, listen, the half was never told to you about the love of God and I'm eager, I'm longing for myself, for you years ago I had the most shocking manifestation of the love of God it was, it was a quantum leap above what I thought or knew And if you'd asked me before that, does God love you, I would have used the most extreme language to express how, I much, how much I understood that fact. But once that other revelation came, I thought, what I, th- what I understood to be the love of God is nothing compared to this. And so I say, what remains undiscovered? You see, we don't even realize that there is a deep insecurity inside of us. A deep disqualifying venom that the enemy leverages to hold us at bay, at a distance, to keep us from entering our our role, our destiny, our calling, our inheritance, and God is the one who's eager to bring you into your inheritance. So we want to say, God, show me how to seek for this. How do I even desire something I can't imagine? How do you do that? This too takes grace. So I'm saying today, God, give us grace to lean in to lean in ways we never thought we could and we never knew how. I don't want to belabor this, but you know, some of us say, well, you know, I was really hesitant about lifting my hands and now I'm in church and I lift my hands. You know, how much more could I do? Like, how much more, Lord, do I do? How else can I demonstrate my hunger? What if there was more more ways, deeper desire, As Father. We say we don't know. We don't know how to do this. We, we've reached the limits of our knowledge. We've reached the limits of our abilities. We, and we're saying, God, have mercy on us. Take us into the depth of who you are. Can you say Amen? Okay. Oh. Ah. All right. Well. Um, so we have a special guest speaker today. We thought we'd take advantage of the fact that John Lowndes had come from B.C. for the Alberta Link. And, uh, and of course, we want to see uh, we want to see him, we want to be with him, but we want to hear what the Lord is saying through him. Can you uh, come on up here, John, can you extend your hands towards him right now and say, "I receive you, John." I receive, I receive you as a prophet, so we want a prophet's reward, a prophet's reward. in Jesus' name, amen. amen.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, it's good to be here.
1: It, uh, it actually feels always like coming home, like I just, I feel so welcome, so loved, and uh, I see some new faces, wow, that's good on the band and in the in the family so um, I I just want to say something quick about to the parents you know years ago um, I spent time with John and Paula Sanford some of you would know that ministry of Elijah House I had the privilege of living with them a couple times because I was super needy and God gave me them (laughs) as spiritual parents but one time I was sitting with John and his five children John and Paul and their five children and I was looking at the kids and I was like I was absolutely stunned how different his children were from the same family and I was, I was thinking I mean these people are the same family but not cut from the same cloth I mean they were uniquely different so I took John aside I said, I said John, Papa John like what is it about your kids I mean this one's so uniquely different and called this way and this way and this way And he said to me, he said, you know, son, the Lord showed me that scripture, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart. But he said, that's not the most accurate translation. He said, the most accurate translation is train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from themselves. And he said, God began to show me who my children were called to be, and I called that out of them. And I let them be who they were uniquely called to be. And that has stuck with me. So parents, uh, I think as a parent, one of my early mistakes was trying to put my kids in my image, Uh, and I had some pretty bad image at that time. And also, I, I didn't recognize certain calls on my two sons that I think I kept trying to put them into a bit of a form of what our church was like, right? So we want to have the grace to let people be who they're called to be. And as parents and as spiritual parents, listen, there's a young couple we've been mentoring back home, Justin and Nershan. She's a refugee from Syria and they have a little baby named Maverick. And I looked at this little baby and I said, he could be prime minister one day, and he said, you're the third person that said that in two weeks. Wow. And so he took it serious. He's like, wow, I said, you should take it serious because he may be called to something way beyond for the sake of this nation. Amen? Yeah. Um, I was trying to decide if I should share this little story, and I think I will. Last weekend... I was not doing very well. Actually, I was quite sick for a few days. And don't you give it away. Does anybody know what gets rid of gallstones? What gets rid of gallstones? (laughs) Wow. That's one way. What's another way that gets rid of gallstones? Anybody know? Well... We have a doctor in our church named Dr. Albert Zare. He's one of the fathers in the house. He's quite elderly now in his 80s. And uh, I had forgot he told me a story years ago, what gets rid of gallstones, and I think somebody needs to hear this in the house today. So I called him last, uh, about 10 days ago. I said, Pastor Albert, I said, what was it again that gets rid of gallstones? So he told me this story. He says, I had a gallstone, and it was so painful I was rolling around in my room. Now, he's a good old Mennonite boy, and he made a vow as a young man he would never drink alcohol. So he calls another nutritionist, another doctor, and they says, Oh, you've got to drink malt beer. And he's like, I will never drink beer. I made a vow as a little boy. So he uh, says, Well, what I did was, after two more days of rolling around back and forth on the floor, in absolute agony, I got my wife to sneak to the liquor store. <laughs> And she brought home some malt beer. And boy, he said, I passed that sucker. (laughs) And I still got it, he said, the little stone. So last weekend, John, who used to be an alcoholic, that's me, decided I was in a lot of pain, so what did I do? I went and got some malt beer. And I think I passed that sucker. (laughs) I had three, I was getting kind of tipsy. I used to be able to drink three dozen I'm not advocating alcoholism here for any mums and grandmas in the room. I'm just saying there's some ancient remedies that uh, some nutritionist friends of ours have been helping us with. And my wife and I did a gallbladder cleanse, and I passed 100 stones, and she passed 50. True story. Weight loss. Actually, they're toxic. I don't know why I'm sharing that, but maybe somebody needs to hear it. But um, Pam and I are going to do another one of those in the next few weeks because your gallbladder backs up. Anyway, that's enough of that. (laughs) So I want to share a little bit this morning, part of my personal journey, and I want to share a couple of milestones. Stones. (laughs) Milestones. a (laughs) A couple of milestones that were were transitional in my life that took me from being a person who was came out of the world as an alcoholic and a drug dealer and extremely dysfunctional like i remember my mind couldn't even comprehend properly certain things i was extremely dysfunctional and the lord brought me on a journey over this way and he started to set me free He's given me a family and children and a home and a ministry. I travel, business, my business at one point, it's not as big now, but at one point, my business won awards for all of Canada. I got, uh, you know, plaques on my wall that say number one in Canada and things. And I got the gold watch and things that God did that brought me from here over here. But I wanna touch on a couple milestones that were really important stones, milestones that were really important in my journey. Now, I'm gonna read you a scripture. Let's look at this just quick. Psalm 124, verse six and seven. We can praise God over and over that he never left us. God wouldn't allow the terror of our enemies to defeat us. We are free from the hunter's trap. Their snare is broken and we have escaped. I want to tell you, I have escaped from the snare of the fowler. I am not the man I used to be. Not even remotely so. I have run into some old friends sometimes and they'll look at me and they'll go, What happened to you? You look so different. I mean, I think I've told this family, I got a picture, my wife has a picture that she showed my sons one time. Who's the guy in the picture? And you know, they're looking at the picture and they go, no idea. And I'm on the other side of the room thinking, huh? She goes, look at the picture, who's that guy? And they're going, we don't know. So I come over and I take the picture and I'm like, who's that guy? And they're like, we don't know. (laughs) And they're about six and four. And you know now they're 19, almost twenty and eighteen, and I says, "No, look close. That's Dad." And they're like, "That's not you, Dad." And you know they walked away, both of them. <laughs> Listen, God is in the business of transformation. Yes, he, is. he is in the business of taking us from A to B to C to D unto something. He is in the business of transformation. Now, I was stuck in certain mindsets for different seasons, some shorter, some longer. And I had, now, you guys have talked about in this church, I believe, vows and judgments, things like that. Are most of you familiar with that? What is a vow? Let me give you one. Nobody loves me. My dad used to beat us. I was terrified of my father. I would hear the door open and hide under the bed in my room and look out under the covers that were hanging down, you know, little boy, right? And so I created a lot of vows and strongholds that the enemy helped establish. And I had many. I used to read John and Paula's books, you guys, the two thick ones, Transformation in the Man and Healing the Wounded Spirit, and I was every chapter. I kid you not. I'd read a chapter and go, that's us, that's Uncle Pete, that's my dad, that's my brother, on and on, every chapter. I was trapped in a snare of the fowler. I was bound in my heart and mind and had vows and mindsets that were hindering me from my destiny. And God began to walk me on a journey towards freedom, Now, some of you in this room, like Pastor Mark was saying, even all these years later, as walking with the Lord, you have certain strongholds still that plague your heart and mind. Little things. Little foxes. Little judgments, little unbeliefs, little vows. I come to the church and nobody ever says hi. Well, Maybe they did, but your stronghold keeps you from seeing the truth. Now, I'm not going to teach on hearts of stone and inner bowels, but I want to touch on them it getting somewhere this morning, okay? So there's strongholds that keep us. So I come into the church, my first church. Just was in the neighborhood, so I went there. And I was tolerated not celebrated and I shared that a little bit last summer when I was here I was tolerated but not celebrated and partly what was happening at that time okay was the leadership of the church did not have a father's heart or a mama's heart a capacity to love me into freedom Four years in that church, I think I was invited to people's homes two times. Now, granted, I was a little scary. I used to come to church in a muscle shirt, said Gold's Gym. It had a bulldog with a weights and a neck with spike on the dog in the shirt. So I'd come in and people were like, "Whoa!" Crowded clear, you know. It's true. But I got really lonely. I was lonely. My girlfriend of many years left. My friends thought I went crazy, which I was already crazy, but they thought I went more crazy. And I entered into a season of loneliness. I had been touched by the Lord, but there was so many kind of strongholds around that I wasn't free. I was starting to come out of the snare. So the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, go to another church where I've now been for 30 years. 30 years in Church of Zion. And I found something different there. I found a father named Gideon Chu and a family. I found something different. But in the midst, there were still some in the house and people I would run into that were always trying to put me back in the Fowler's cage. Remember one time we had a leadership event in our city and some leaders came to Zion and I'm standing in the back and someone comes up to me and they're like, look at me and they said, hi brother. They said, one day you'll make a good number two man for somebody in this life. I was like, oh yeah, right. Thanks for that. <laughs> One day I'll amount to something in the kingdom. You see, fathers do something different than just a minister or a gift. I'm not criticizing. We're all on a journey. But this house, this family, is called to mentor this nation. This house is called to mentor other families, other churches. And the emerging of the father's heart in this house is what's going to bring a transformation. And I see the emerging of the fathers and mothers ever increasing in this house. You are called to make a difference. Listen, what... There's a world out there, we're hearing about the Harvest family, right? Are, we, are they going to come and feel safe? Are they going to come in in the muscle shirt and walk through the back? And it'll be like, what are you doing here? Or will the first thing they encounter is the love of the Father when they come through the door? You see, we're on a journey as a church family. We're on a journey corporately going somewhere. Right? Listen, this is what Gideon used to say to me. Gideon used to always say to me, he'd say, son, and I want to honor Mark and Wendy because they're some of my oldest friends in the kingdom, And they've been good friends. We've been friends for a long time. But I also needed other fathers and mothers around me. A corporate mother and fatherhood. Because each one supplied something different in my journey. And this is what Gideon used to say to me. He'd say, he'd look at me and he'd always say, I see who you are now, but I know who you'll be 20 years from now. And I'll never let you go. And used to do these prophetic acts. He'd take me by the hands. And he'd say, give me your hands. And he'd pull me. And he'd say, come with me. And he'd say, you know what I like about you, John? You follow and you don't even know where we're going. (laughs) And I didn't. Because I was trapped. But God was breaking them. Breaking it. Bringing it out. Causing my eyes to see. I'd get a glimpse. And then sometimes I'd be trapped again. He'd try to say, you know, you're nothing. And then Gideon would come along. Now, I want to share this story, and I believe I shared it here before. And I want to try not to dishonor, but I... I need to share it. There was different people in my life that, you know, they would be the ones, you'll never amount to anything, kind of. You'll be a number, you know, you'll be this. Then I had Gideon and Mark, friends like that. But there was a season when I could feel a lot of judgment from some leaders around me. Now, what they were picking up was my wounds. They were picking up who I was in the moment. My pain, my ambition. And they were always responding to me in the immediacy of where I was at. So I had this encounter one time where I was, Gideon and David and our church started to travel more. And there were some other leaders around and in our peripheral Uh, of our church and this one time I was told yeah nobody likes you here in the church you should just leave it's true you should just leave because nobody likes you and by the way you're nothing you're a nobody you're not a prophet to the nations you should just leave and I was getting like Mark's giving me the. No, we need to hear this. We need to hear this. So I was like, smack. And I was reeling at that moment, like in my heart and mind. I was reeling at that moment. And I was confused and I was hurt. And I come back into the main service. And Gideon had been away for three months. And he comes through the doors. And he looks at me and he says, Son, I've missed you. What are you up to? And I'm like, I'm kind of like, actually, I won't say that. <laughs> I almost hit that guy one time. Sorry, Father, because I used to fight all the time. But anyway, um, Gideon says, what are you up to? He, I says, well, I'm going on a trip with, with Mark to Ireland. And he says, he says, oh, we need to bless you. We need to release you. Is the church praying for you? I says, well, not really. <laughs> he, and he says, uh, well, we need, to, we need to release you and bless you. Tale of two cities, right? So he's, no, the senior father of the house, he comes at the end of the service, he says, hey, you know, John's going to Ireland with Mark Breespois, and we need to bless him and release him and cover him, right? It's just Broke that thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Brought me out of the snare of the fowler. Yeah. Yeah. So Calls me out to the front. Calls the leadership. Some people that didn't agree stood in the distance. Because they saw who I was right then at times with certain things, but an emerging son, father, Pastor. And so my journey has been a tale of two cities. And I want to, in fairness, say I'm very good friends with all of those others now because God changed them. Really? But we went through some hard times. Do you see who people are called to be? Not in their immediacy. Do you see them five years, 10 years, 20 years from now? You see, the Lord spoke to me about Canada. He said, son, people are stuck a little bit in the immediacy of where Canada is right now. But how do you see Canada? I said, I see the Canada you showed me three years ago before COVID. He asked me a question. He said, son, would Canada look different if 10 to 15 million people got saved and born again? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, you're right, it would. Now start to believe. Now start to prophesy it and proclaim it in the places you go. Because he said, it will influence culture and government, and schools, and hospitals. And that's my faith. That's my declaration these days, that the Canada we see right now will look different five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And we declare as fathers and mothers, and as leaders, that we wanna see a different Canada for our children, and our children's children. Right? But let me add this piece. Do you bless Justin Trudeau? Do you bless him? He has children. I choose to bless him. We choose to bless that man. He needs salvation. The government. Right? We bless them. We pray for their salvation. You see, fathers and mothers see Canada as all of their children. Not just the ones that in the immediacy are deceived. We want to look at them and say, who can they be? Does God have an eternal plan for Justin Trudeau? You bet he does. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us that and prophesy it and never stop praying for him and his family. Right? But by the grace of God, there go we, everybody. There's different groups of people today in the room. Some of you have been stuck. Some by your own choices. Some, I feel a warfare at times over you, around, because the enemy wants to agree with your choices. And he will help you with them. I had five demons cast out of me as a Christian after I got born again. Years right on stage in Chicago with Morris Shrillo. <laughs> <laughs> Public television. How's that for being humbled? Each of these have a dimension. I mean, I could talk an hour about inner hearts of stone and inner vows, but I want to throw out some thoughts to those that are struggling that your destiny is not to be trapped. We need all hands on deck. We need everybody fully engaged, fully activated by the Holy Spirit, doing everybody's part and role in the kingdom for such a time as this. Right? If a second group of people, if you have ever felt hurt by leadership, or someone might have said something to you. No leader's perfect. Don't put them on a pedestal. We are all on a journey. And I want to speak something in the spirit to this church, restoration. Restoration. I feel the Father will send some of you to reach out to even some old friendships and to people or if you run into them in the supermarket, run after them. Watch that heart where you know you know, you ever look on Facebook and, and you you're scrolling and you see somebody and you kinda like zip past. <laughs> is your heart? Come on. Is your heart filled with love when you gaze on them? Do you feel the Father's heart when you look at people? Do you gaze on them with compassion? And that's what I shared a bit here last summer about Matthew 19, 34, 35, 36. Jesus was moved with compassion. And again, I'll share this part of that. That Greek word, the original Greek word, splichnotheus. The disciples coined themselves because there was no word at the time in the Greek language to describe the compassion they saw in Jesus. They were looking for something. They couldn't find it. So they coined a brand new word. Splichnotheus. A compassion like how do we how do we describe what we saw? And then Jesus, after they see that in Him, He turns and He says, "The fields are white to harvest. Therefore, pray that laborers that, that are sent." They saw the compassion, and He looks and He says, the "Fields are white to harvest. May you be moved with compassion for those around you, for those your neighbor." for those in the supermarket, for those that used to be part of your friendship structure? Or do we say, they missed it? Or, or, maybe they did. But we're not called to judge, we're called to love first. So three things. I'll ask Pastor Mark to come. Is this clear enough for you? Some of you in this room in the next season and starting today are called to be free out of the snare of the fowler. Some of you have hidden little roots of judgment not only about yourself maybe about the church little vows, judgments. Some of you need to always guard your heart about leadership bless them bless them thirdly this nation this great nation of canada that he will have dominion from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends yeah. of the earth yeah. he's going to have his way peace tower in ottawa there are three scriptures the one we're most familiar, familiar with is psalm 72 8 he shall have dominion it also says without a vision the people will perish There's three on the Peace Tower right in the front. There's forty six scriptures inside, not only the Peace Tower, but in Parliament inside. From our founding fathers. Forty six. And he's gonna have his way. Let's choose to believe that, Church. That the best is yet to come for Canada. The best is yet to come. And Spruce Grove Community Church, God is saying, I am going to use you in ever-increasing dimensions. For there's coming a fresh wave to this family. There's coming a fresh wave to this house. For the Lord says, even as you've journeyed from glory to glory, I am about to move you into another realm. Into another realm. So, Father, I pray that for this church, for this house, God, let, Father Moore, release it. Release it, Father. Release those that are bound today. If you have something in your heart, a little thing, a little judgment or vow, or a little fox that has perhaps deceived you and kept you back, bring it to the Lord right now, just between you and Him. Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me if I've judged myself Forgive me if I've judged the leadership. Forgive me if I've judged this nation. And we pray for a fresh baptism of love in this family. Release it, Father. Release it. Release it. Release an enlargement. Put your hand on your heart. Right now on your chest. I see... An enlargement of hearts in the room. Right now. God, if there's any place that has hindered us, hindered me. God, I pray a removal of the old. Psalm 119, verse 32. David says, I'll run the course of your commands. For you will enlarge my heart. How many need an enlargement? Come on, Holy Spirit. Just enlarge our hearts. Enlarge our hearts for community church. Enlarge it for the family in the house. But enlarge it for those around us, God. We bless every person that was ever a part of Spruce Grove Community Church. We speak, we speak it in the spirit. You are loved. You are loved. No matter where you've gone or what's happened, we bless you. We love you. We speak life. We speak life in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, this great nation of Canada. Father, we bless Canada. We remember your promises that you will have dominion from sea to sea, from the rivers to the ends of the earth. And I want to say to Alberta, you are part of Canada. Part of Canada. Part of Canada. And Father, we want to be careful about any divisive thing that wants to divide Canada. Because his plan for Canada is dominion from sea to sea. In Jesus' name.
0: You know, uh, as John was touching, I, I feel like he, he, uh, he touched something quite profound. And it uh, it it touches on what is our destiny. What does it mean to become a mother or a father? How do you measure that? And clearly, as was shared this weekend uh, by Charlotte Quist from Grand Prairie, it's not about age. In fact, you know you can become a mother or a father at uh, 15, right? You know, so so you don't have to wait till you're 60 to become that. But what is it? What are the defining features of being a mother and a father? And uh, he, he skirted over pat, a part of it. And I want to make sure this is emphasized because this is who we need to become. Let me give you an example. I, I was thinking about how do I illustrate this. So there's a young couple that uh, find a, uh, themselves attracted to each other. And the guy in particular, he, uh, he just really wants to care for this, this young lady. And she starts to tell her story. And her story is a tragic story because he discovers that she grew up in an abusive home, that she was sexually molested, that she was beaten, that she was rejected, that she was, you know, I mean, just one negative thing on top of another thing, right? And he he comes as the savior of her life, you know, because guys love to be the heroes, Right. You know, that's part of our DNA. We we're we're meant we wanna we wanna champion good causes. So he he says, says, I'll never do that to you. I will I will love you. And well, I grew up with an alcoholic father, and you know, I just I'm so glad I finally have somebody who's gonna love me, gonna care for me. But the problem is this is this young man doesn't really know what he's dealing with. What he's dealing with is not just a series of circumstances but spiritual realities that are deep inside the womb and the heart of this young girl. And a fast forward a few years later and surprisingly enough that young man has become an alcoholic and now he's beating his wife. And, uh, and it's like, wow, what, how, how did this happen how, how did this transpire? What, what went on here? It's what John was talking about. It's like there are, there are two potential destinies that hang over our lives. There's the one that Satan has ordained for you, the one he has fed into, the one he has tried to create inside of you. When he tries to wound you, when he whispers in your ear who he is, it's all about identity. It's all about uh, uh, what he wants you to be. But that thing is not just an idea, it actually creates a vortex, a power source inside of you that begins to conform the world around you to get people to treat you according to what the enemy has decided he wants you to be. But God has another plan, and God's solution is that you would come to him and he would speak to you who you really are. In order to change, in order to to erase that thing and create another identity. And sure, God, God can do that to you, but what he does is he uses people. He uses people. And what John was articulating is that that vortex inside of him was so strong you know, of abuse and, uh, and, and uh, insecurity and all those things. And he, he, of course, in himself is trying to overcome that. And in his attempt to overcome that is to be this strong... Uh, you know, all we have is arrogance to deal with insecurity. I mean, the human solution for insecurity is arrogance. <laughs> and arrogance rubs people the wrong way just as much as insecurity... And so what, what he was facing is people who didn't have the power to overcome the vortex, but instead fed into it. And what God is looking for is mothers and fathers who that when you encounter somebody with a wound, and that wound is calling to you it's saying, abuse me, be annoyed at me, resent me, hate me, you have the capacity to do what the spiritual fathers do in his life did to say no this is not who you are and i refuse to be drawn into the vortex of that how do you overcome how do you do that because what happens if if you have similar wounds inside of you that there's a suddenly there's a traction that's grabbed that wounding grabs onto your wounding and pulls you into behaving in a particular way that reinforces that stronghold Kingdom people are meant to overcome that. Uh, I've shared this story before, but I'll quickly share it. There was a leader that I knew um, that I was walking with, but I I knew he'd get around me and he'd be annoyed by me. He was the only one ever. (laughs) But I... And I could feel his disapproval of me. And, I, and it wasn't, you know, yes, I've got defects. I've, had, I've got things in, in my life. But part of it was because who I was in my boldness was grading a kind of a false compassion model of imagery that he was pursuing. And so, uh, anyway, I, I, remember, I remember feeling that prickliness, I'd get around there, and, and I just feel his, it's like, it's like he's pushing me away silently, pushing me away. People push you away when they don't want you around, even if they don't say that. Kingdom people don't, don't obey that. And one day the Lord say, said to me very clearly, he says, he says, listen, you are as much to blame as him. Why do you obey that? Like he's pushing you away, and you, you are obliging him by staying away. Because he makes you feel uncomfortable. You feel that judgment, and it taps into the residue of your insecurity, and so it causes you to obey. If you want to kill that insecurity that's left inside of you, Mark, stop obeying other people's judgments. And so I thought, yeah, well, what do you want me to do? And so I said, love him. When he's pushing you away, draw near. Yeah, but what if he doesn't receive me? That's the point. The fear and the tyranny at the core of your insecurity is telling you what to do. It's agreeing with this other force in him. Go against it. You will never be in a position to change the destiny of people around you unless you start believing and responding to the right destiny inside of them. What fathers do is, is they identify the destiny from God. When you see those things, even if you don't know what that person's destiny is, you say, it's not this. So I'm not going to feed into that. I'm not going to feed into I'm gonna. I'm going to go the opposite direction. So I started doing that. I started embracing this guy. Every time I saw him, I, I, I smiled. I rejoiced when I saw him. I did what Gideon did with, with John. And, of course, what I did with John. John spent a lot of time in our house. I just enjoyed, hey, how you doing? And, and, you know, I just ignored the prickliness. I ignored the judgments. I ignored his discomfort with me. And I, I, it's amazing. Love overcomes. Literally, that relationship did a flip-flop and totally changed. That guy absolutely loves me today. He doesn't understand some of my boldness still but he absolutely loves me. And I won't say his name, and he's not in the room. <laughs> but that's who are, we are meant to be. That's who we are meant to be. This, this part about staying
1: present is, is really, really important. Because I went to Gideon one time, and I said, do you know we have a, a demon in the church right that uses particular people part of my gift set to see as a seer so he looked at me and he said never even addressed it he said you need to overcome and he says you need to overcome so he never even acknowledged what I was seeing or saying And he and he said you'll thank me one day so I'm like I'm literally thinking a couple times with my wife, I'm gonna, we're going to leave the church. It's so hard. Because they were gone a lot, especially the senior leaders. And it was really hard. So what the Lord says to me is he said, son, stay present in the most difficult relationships. So what I would do, I'd be in Guatemala with Mark and the Lord would say, bring a gift home. So, I would buy those beautiful Guatemalan blankets from the the ladies in the hills and make these beautiful colors. And I'd I'd bring them home and I'd go to certain people and I'd say, I brought you a present. And they'd take, thanks. Like literally, it was really hard. I remember one time in church chasing someone around with the present, you know. (laughs) And every time they'd see me, they'd be like, So finally, I gave it to someone else and I said, Can you give this to so and so? And about a week later, I got a, Thanks for the present. I'm not, I mean, listen, those relationships are not like that today. We have overcome. I'm going back quite a season. But those are the things that made me a father today. Because I went to Gideon 10 years later and I says, why did you never acknowledge that demonic structure in our house? And he says, he said, well, I knew it was there too. But I needed you to overcome Because if you didn't, you would just go to another place and have the same problems. I needed you to overcome and become a father because he who overcomes her gets authority where? In the nations. And I'm not just talking about that Revelation scripture about Jezebel. Any demonic structure, if you don't overcome it, if you don't overcome it, because it's in the atmosphere everywhere, you'll just fight it somewhere else. Last story. I was in Kansas City talking to some leaders there before I met Mark in Dallas in November, and I'm talking to these two leaders, and and she, and she says to me, "I have read ten books on overcoming some things, and you, but you guys live it. You're not just talking about it; you live it, which is why the Zion family has authority in the nations, and it's why the Spruce Grove family is ever increasing authority locally, nationally, and internationally." because you're overcomers. But for some of you, again, I want to reinforce it. Your next part of your journey will be to overcome. Amen. You're called to freedom and influence. Yes. You know, some of you in this room are called to amazing things.
0: Amen? Yes. Amen. I love this. I We, we do a lot this, you know, tag team thing when we go overseas but you know he brought up an important thing why didn't Gideon deal with this why didn't Gideon administrate this problem you can't administrate demons out of the house you can't administrate the influence of principalities out of the house you have to become uh what's the word immune our authority to overcome certain spirits in this region is to displace them by not responding to their will. That is a high level of spiritual warfare and the expression of kingdom authority not by saying to people act like this towards this person yeah at some point you know we need to teach people but to displace those kinds of spirits you have to overcome and when sufficient numbers of us have overcome certain impulses that spirit simply has no more influence in the house why didn't Gideon deal this with this pastorally? Some things can't be dealt with as pastorally. Sometimes policies are not listened to by demons. <laughs> It'd be great if we could just, you know, put it in the, uh, the constitution of the church. But kingdom authority does not function by legalities like that. So Father, we want to say today, thank you that you are making us people of influence, people of authority. Father, you are creating mothers and fathers in this place that will release an ability for us to receive the broken, to receive the defiled, to receive those who are full of vows and demons and set them free. Father, change us and make us into what you want us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We're, we're, all, we're going that direction. But it's going to take a little while, but we're going to go. Chris, do you want to do anything in closing? As the senior, uh, well, the lead pastor of this church. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Bless you.
2: Same thing two weeks ago. That challenge, right, of not allowing those invisible forces to control us and to own us, right? So again, in closing, I'm going to challenge you with this. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say it this way, but if, if you've run away from somebody in this church, today you need to run towards them, yeah. Right? but don't tell money. (laughs) Let's stand to our feet. Challenge yourself again today. Don't just leave today. Go talk to somebody. Right? Shake somebody's hand. Let's break through our insecurities. Let's break through these things that own us. Let's learn to love each other so we can go out and love this world. Right? we can do this. So Father God, we thank you for the word that was spoken today. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. We receive the word that was spoken into our hearts today, God. And we ask Holy Spirit now that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would convict us when we start to alter our course again, when we start to give way to these demonic forces, where we start to listen to them, we say no right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Lord, guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us up right now. Let the love of Christ reside in our hearts that we would love everywhere we go. And we come against those thoughts that come into our mind that say, I don't want to talk to that person. Those thoughts that say, I don't like that person. They don't like me. We come against that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not allow those thoughts to own us any longer. In Jesus' name, the counselor wants to say something.
3: <laughs> I want to pray for Justin Trudeau. Yeah. So, yeah. So right now I just recognize a boy that experienced living with a mentally ill mother and watched the death of his brother and experienced a father that wasn't present as a politician. And I recognize, Lord, the pain of experiencing his parents' divorce in a very public way. And I just feel and sense um, that there's still a little boy in there. Uh, And I just kind of feel his pain right now. And so, Lord, uh, we bring his pain to you. We bring his stories to you and I recognize that sometimes men reach for power in a way to find love to find reassurance of their their goodness and their acceptance and so right now Lord we just repent for where we've hated him where we've hated the little boy that's just trying to heal his wounds and we repent for where we haven't covered him as that little boy and I pray God just move right now And meet that little boy. Even where he's had so many barriers up, because it's not even safe to be a little boy. I pray that you'd just move past the barriers and you'd meet him, Lord. And you'd heal his broken heart. And that you'd heal his insecurities with the identity that you have for him. And I just, I speak to his spiritual DNA right now. And I bless it in the name of Jesus Christ, I call you, Justin, to be a man, to be a healed man, to be a whole man, to be a man who knows who he is in God, who knows the love of the Father, who knows the blood of Jesus as his salvation. And I just pray, Lord, that right now you'd peel off anything that would keep his eyes from seeing that Jesus, you are his reward. You are his reward, not power, not politics, not the love of the people, but Jesus, you are his reward, and that as he discovers this revelation that he would be healed, and that he would stand as a man of God, and that he'd be able to lead the country in truth, and authority, and purpose that comes from heaven, and so we cover him as a people today. We cover his wounds, just like uh, uh, the sons covered, uh, who's the guy, Noah Noah. I pray that we'd cover Justin that way, the way the sons covered Noah. We cover him now. We cover his pain. We cover his his nakedness today, God. And we call forth the authority of Jesus in him. I thank you, God, for him. We bless him as our leader. We bless him as our leader. And we soften our hearts. We soften our hearts towards him now according to the love of the Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
2: I don't know if you felt that in there. There was a moment I could literally feel the compassion and the love of the Father towards him. That's what we want to take over our hearts. Because I've had the opposite feeling all week. But that's the very feeling we want to rule our hearts. Not just with him, with one another. So Father, let that be so in Jesus' name. Let that be so. Be blessed. Love one another as you leave. Goodbye, everybody online. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.